Hello friends of the valley, Bobby here. I just wanted to take a moment to talk to you about our online community. You see, our hope with this podcast is to be something more than just another thing to add to your plate. Something more than just another media item to consume. Instead, we want to explore how the physical church and the digital church can interact and be the body of Christ. The mission at Boulder Valley is to build authentic relationships with God and one another, face-to-face and screen-to-screen. And we want to do that together with you. To learn more and join our community, please visit community.bvchristian.org. Thanks. Look forward to seeing you there. Let's start. Uh, This is my voice, and I'm Emmy Helmuth. And I'm sitting at this table. Who else is at the table? I'm Michelle Holmberg, and I'm here at the table. I'm Otto Lures. I am also at the table. Hey, I'm Paul Holmberg. I got to preach today, and I'm at the table. Yeah, That's yeah, right. yeah. That's right. Well, let's start with, yeah, let's start with things that stood out. What do we, what did you walk me thinking? Oh, still thinking about that. Mm-hmm. What'd you put in your pocket? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I started thinking about how, how, not only the prophecies that went before Jesus's coming, but just all of those interwoven threads. I feel like that's mm-hmm. something I've seen recently throughout my devotionals throughout this season since September to like now every time I'm work, like sitting with God, he's like, right, so this relates to this and this relates to this. And so now we got mm-hmm. to this point and like that that's how all of scripture is. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like that there's so many things like you can't without being God, there's no way you can intentionally intertwine this many things mm-hmm. to come to that point. Like yeah. it's just constantly showing us how he was like, I want you to see me in this. I want you to see how I'm doing this. I want you to see how I'm bringing this together. I do. I think like I loved your surprise party thing because I think like if you throw a surprise party for someone afterward, you're like you want to tell them like can I just tell you how this all happened or like this like this person totally. called me and then this came together and then can you believe and like it's those cool little you kind of want to tell the backstory yeah. of like how you got to that Absolutely. and I feel like that that like in scripture that is like you know look what you I can did. see yeah. God being like did you see that did yeah. you just see like here's all of these pieces and we probably are missing something. You know, right. like, right. That yeah. he's like, do you know how actually wondrous this mm-hmm. is? Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, the interwovenness of it all. I think something that I thought of, too, was when you said, you know, that Jesus was at the beginning, which, you know, I've always been like, of course, part of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. But I think the term being God's son somehow puts a derivative factor in my mind without intention right mm-hmm. like like i in my head understand understand the trinity as much as we can yeah. um like to that extent but to to be like oh i unintentionally think of him derivatory to god in some way just because we use the term son yeah and to just kind of recognize that and try to try to to own it and and get past that and, and come out of that place yeah it is. I mean, that's what occurred to me is like that when you use the word son, it feels like Jesus came right from him. And yet the reality is they were all together at the beginning. Right. And we always say those things separately. Yeah. Like we'll say that they were all together at the beginning, uh-huh. but without that recognition of maybe we don't always think of it that way when we're thinking of him as, as son yeah. and father. Totally. But you, Otto, what stood out to you? Well, the the son thing always brings me back to God's family. 
and how he created us to be part of his family. And his family was already existing in heaven. Mm. And that all of this was done to bring us back to him and to being the family in heaven. Mm. The Trinity is the focus of heaven, and we get to join in with that. Mm. And I, you know, it's, it came to me too, this uh, the holiday thing with Thanksgiving. Holidays have a way for me. I, I'm a father, right? And it is... It is one of my major identities. And so holidays bring family together, right? Mm -hmm. But it doesn't always go smoothly. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't? Somehow. That is so the experience. (laughs) So, but it, 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 all of this focus into family and yet finding, frankly, in my case, kind of a mess. And we had... You know, adult children arguing amongst themselves. How's it going to go down? And it was just all this division. And it just broke my heart. Mm. Yeah. And it remind you know, and I, I have to relate Father with God and his brokenness, his broken heart for us, that he created us to be his children, and yet we don't recognize him when he comes. Mm. And he, our children don't understand how much we love them. And it just, I want nothing more than to redeem my family Mm. and that I would do anything to make that happen. Mm. And that God said, I will do anything to redeem my children. Mm. Mm -hmm. And that's why Christ came, to bring us back to him, Mm. bring us back to them. Yeah, but the whole thing is driven by this heart of the Father. This like deep, right. you know, I think he said that so well. Like that is the heart of the father for his church, for his children to redeem and bring home and reconcile. And then it drives this whole crazy story, right? Well, as hard as that is, Otto, like the, the reality is like you're you're experiencing in your own life God's heart that is broken for his children. When they don't see it, they don't get it, they don't recognize it, they misinterpret it, they whatever, you know, like. I think of the anger of my children all the time. Mm. <laughs> when, I, when, you know, like you're trying to correct them or be like, I'm doing this because, and they just get so mad. And like, there's no way, you know, they want their way. They want it to be done their way. They want to have the thing they want to have. And they want it to be all about them. And you're like, you don't understand that I'm trying, the reason I'm teaching you this or the reason I'm saying you need to do it this way is because it's, it's the way that will make your life better. I'm like, oh, that's how humanity lives, right? We disregard how God says this is the way it should be done. And how often are we doing that in anger? Trust me. For God, who is so wonderful, to put on such a surprise party and they don't even recognize it. Mm-hmm. Something that I kind of brought up question in my mind was when we were reading through the different prophecies, this is something we talked about last week. Uh, if you didn't listen, listen to last week <laughs> a little bit more. Um, and it was about governments. And and I think, you know, we always talked, we talked last week about how it was the expectation of Jesus to be a ruler, a governing ruler. And I think 
you know, when I read, when we read the prophecy in Micah, I was like, well, it specifically says mm -hmm. he will rule Israel. And it says the government will be on his shoulders and all of these things. Mm -hmm. And how, from your points of view, how do you see the, that aspect of those prophecies coming true? How did that, how did that become reality? In what way was Jesus mm -hmm. a ruler and a governor other than our metaphoric? That is a really interesting question. And I, I think that it, you know, I think sometimes we look at the way that they, oh, they were expecting this political king and we kind of scoff at it like, oh, right. aren't they silly? Right. But then you read some of the prophecies and you go, oh, that's why they thought that. It wasn't, that wasn't the way in a it was vacuum. said. Yeah. 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 Well, he would rule on the throne like, I mean, there's so many prophecies about how Jesus is going to be like David. Mm -hmm. You know, he's going to follow in David's footsteps. And David was king. the best king maybe that Israel right. ever had. And so what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't, my, when, my, go ahead. Well, you said you substituted heaven for government. Yeah. Then it fits. Yeah. Um, because the... You know, and he comes as the Prince of Peace, which I always struggled with peace. Really? And I'm looking around. If you read if you read his life, he wasn't bringing peace. Mm -hmm. And he didn't settle the government. And, it, you know, it's the peace that he brings to us individually mm -hmm. is where that peace comes. Mm -hmm. I think my take on it is that I don't think it's now i don't think he's involved in like the government i don't know i think the government will be on his shoulders in heaven mm -hmm. you like, don't think it was related to his first coming i don't you think, think it's so. the end the end of all just, time he wasn't he jesus didn't spend much time trying to be involved in government no like he spent he fought it he came against it he he, he which was, was this, political but it wasn't ruling wasn't ruling mm -hmm. yeah so he was the suffering servant the first time but then i go like he's going to come back the second time the way the jewish people were looking for him to come the first time mm -hmm. he's going to come back and kick butt and take names and rule and heaven heaven the government will be a theocracy right it will be it will be a dictatorship of a loving king which I think is the government that God, that's the government of the kingdom, I think, mm -hmm. is that there is one ruler and it doesn't work on this earth because we're so sinful. Right. Like you can't have a good dictator. Like that. that's not a thing. Right. <laughs> but in heaven, you can have the Trinity ruling. Because they're perfect. It's, and it's beautiful mm -hmm. and gracious and perfect. So I don't, I struggle with that too. Like how does, how does God in, involved in government and, Mm -hmm. you know the fulfillment yeah yeah so there's a tent i don't i don't say i have it figured out i i think i just need jerk to go in i know that in heaven the government will be on his shoulders yeah and then yeah. what you know he will he will establish what does that one verse say that he will establish and it will be this way forever and ever mm -hmm. and there's that forever and ever thing in a lot of those prophecies is so that makes me go that's when it is eternal mm -hmm. more than current, but and and I mean I think the metaphorical part of that it, maybe it's metaphorical, but just like the, he is he is we are under his government now, right? As children of God, you know that what is who is the king of the kingdom of heaven? Mm -hmm. Our king, you know. So like I think that that part is currently true, but it's that already not yet right. thing. And you know something I got challenged with the other day is like we often go like the already not yet, and then we focus on the not yet. 
like, oh, well, someday it'll be real different when, as opposed to like, actually part of this mm. is actually really true right now. And could I live now as if the thing that will be fully true later is actually also true right now? Right. You know, do we hold that tension in the present as opposed to just going, yeah, well, someday, because he is king and he is king today. So then you, in in some sense, in the spiritual sense. Yeah. yeah I, think, I think that happens a lot. I think people dismiss that a lot mm-hmm. to say, well, our world is, you know, is broken and hurting and incomplete. Therefore, we don't recognize the reign of Christ. But that as a the church speak often goes that he's the ruler of our lives um, to take the take the time to be intentional about recognizing yeah how that's happening in everyday life mm-hmm. well then how like how do we bring like if we're under christ if we get involved in government how do we can bring mm-hmm. his his heart and his way of viewing life into government just Absolutely. bring it into our workplace we can bring it into Obviously, we try to bring it into our families, into our neighborhood, mm-hmm. so that it's like, you know, on, let, let the kingdom, I'm just blanked on the Lord's Prayer. The, <laughs> nice. My thy kingdom come, thy will be We've done. We've only on, been studying it for three weeks now. <laughs> yeah. Well, Where have you been? Thing. On earth as it is in heaven, right? Can we bring, how do we bring the kingdom into our neighborhoods, into our family, into government? Like, yeah. it, mm-hmm. you know. I, there's, I just was at Cornerstone Church locally, just had a a viewing of a documentary specifically about that, specifically about Christians getting involved in local government. And it was, it was so, it, it was so beautiful to have the conversations afterwards with sitting around the table with other folks who were like, you know, I'm always too scared to do it. I'm too scared that I'm going to get put in that box and be looked at one way or another way, or know that I can't change everything or know that, you know, um, I, you know, it, I didn't think about that I could serve Christ by being a peacemaker in that in that way, it's not that I'm there to um, convert people to Christianity. I'm there to bring the love of Christ into my community, mm-hmm. and how how we're called to do that within politics. And we often yeah. are very scared of it. Um, but yeah, I think Jesus wasn't scared of government. He, you know, he spoke out against things, and and like we often talk about, you know, it'd be interesting to think about the ways in which he participated also. I don't know. Well, yeah. it's the, and you think about, like, remember when it was the whole thing with Peter and should we pay taxes or not? Uh-huh. And then he says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give yeah. to God what is God's. And I'm like, yeah. And both of those things held weight. Like, I think we would just go, yeah, just give to God what is God's. But I also go, like, actually, there's a both there. Uh-huh. And can we just go ahead and say, remember, and he, oh, I think this was the temple tax where he tells Peter, like, go and go and fish. And then in the fish's mouth, you'll find a coin. Could yeah. you imagine, like, Peter tromping down to the water that day? He's like, I mean, yeah, I've seen a lot right. of things, but just going to re- cast that sucker out. And, oh, look, just as <laughs> Jesus said. Go do this. There's yeah. the I money. Mean, that, that's the prophecy thing. It's like yeah, you yeah. watch what God says is going to happen. Yeah. Happen. He's like, yes. this is actually going to happen. You're going yes. to find. And I just go, like, I don't know. How did that fish get that memo? Right. He's like, <laughs> he's like one of the fishermen drops the coin. Go eat it. Yeah. Which is not fish behavior. And then, and no. then get caught. <laughs> and then get caught. Right. And then, then somehow also get on the hook. Right. Like have a coin in your mouth. And. I know the whole thing is miraculous. It's yeah. Like, it's one of the overlooked. But yeah. I mean. I but it's yeah. That whole like Jesus didn't disregard that aspect of mm-hmm. what was happening. And, and I think it's in our current political climate. We so often are like. Well that's true when 
I agree or what it's not true when I don't when I disagree with what's happening then I don't want to be participating in that and and challenging ourselves to to recognize that and and own where we sin in those ways to be like well if I don't agree with what the government's doing then I'm not going to accept that part of Jesus's teaching um I don't I don't know how to balance that well yeah you know I really don't yeah, the government thing. <laughs> so I would like to just change course real quick. Can yeah, yeah. shift gears. Um, we we're talking about prophecy and that if God says it will happen, it will happen. Mm-hmm. So, and I, again, I bring it back to my family. And uh, I, want, I want to do for my family what God has done for his, but I cannot. Mm. So I have to go back and rely on the promises of God that he is there to prosper me and not kill me mm-hmm. and all of those things and take the things that I cannot do for my family and bring them to God to say, mm-hmm. these are my hurts. Where can help me help me do it for me? I can't do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it's like I just keep having to go back to God with it because I can't fix it. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's real healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, I think it's always the hardest places in our life where we get challenged to try to, what does it actually look like to trust God with the things that are the deepest and the hardest and the most? Mm-hmm. It's easy to trust God with the things that we pretty much have under our control. Or that we have absolutely no control over. Sure. Where, where well, you're like, there's absolutely no way I can do this. So sure, God, you handle that one. Mm-hmm. You know? And that that's that's more where I'm talking about. It's the place where I finally come to realize that I am powerless. And therefore, I am forced to trust God. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is that when we think we can control things, we don't need to trust God. Mm-hmm. It's part of what happens in our world today. Mm-hmm. We're all fat and healthy and rich. Yeah. And we don't need God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why poor people are so much more open to God because right. they are in brokenness constantly mm-hmm. and need to turn to him because they can't fix it. Right. Mm-hmm. It's the trusting for your daily bread thing, you know, like where we go, I don't I don't probably worry whether I'm gonna eat today or not. But if you did, you go you have a whole different level of dependence of going, God, either you show up or we die. Or either you, you know, either you send rain, or all the crops die, and we will not survive the winter. Like those kinds of things, where you're like, we don't understand. In some sense, we don't understand. And then there's some places that are super tender, like with your family or wherever that you go. Like God, if you don't fix this, it will not be fixed. It cannot. I think nothing and trusting that He will, trusting that at the end He wins. Right? He wins all these things. But that we also have to ask Him to be part of His family. You know, that's the whole crazy thing about the free will. And he creates us as children, as his children. Mm-hmm. We are all created as his children. And then he says, do you love me? Mm-hmm. And if you say yes, you get to be back in the family. It's kind of this, you're already his family, but you got to say I want in. Because mm-hmm. he doesn't want to force you. I don't know, my take is that he doesn't want to force you to be in the family if you don't want to be in the family. Well, something that I've studied recently is that trusting God only comes from knowing his character because once you know his character and you can see how he's 
taking care of his people in the past or you in the past that grows your trust in who he is. And so Mm -hmm. getting to know God brings that trust so that you can then Mm -hmm. let go of these things and give them to him. But it comes from that deepening of your knowledge of who he is because you're not going to walk up to some stranger and be like, here's my kids. Right. You know, just can you bring them back to me at some point? You know, like you got to know a person and know Mm -hmm. who they are. And, um, and it's the same with our relationship with him to be like, okay, I know you are, who you are have shown yourself to be. Mm-hmm. And so therefore knowing who you are in character, I have come to trust you in this deeper way. Therefore I am better able to let go of these things and trust you with them. Mm-hmm. Uh. <laughs> Sorry. That gets that, that brings me back to, to the garden of Eden and it's you're, they were born trusting God, and the, the original sin wasn't the eating of the apple. The original sin was not trusting God. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like this back and forth thing. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you got to have the trust. You prove to me that I, you can trust me. Wait a minute. That's kind of backwards. It's right. like we should be we created by him. The trust should come. Mm-hmm. And then when we don't trust that's where the sin happens. Oh. Mm-hmm. I think one thing you said, Paul, today that I that struck me was that Jesus's coming was not a reaction. Yeah, and I I just mm-hmm. never thought about it that way before, and and I, yeah, I I guess I haven't taken the time to think like, is my God a reactionary God? Hmm. In any in what ways, you know, or is all of are all of these things that I've learned about Him, His calculated plans? Hmm. Like, yeah, I agree. There's a struggle there with did he would he did he already he already determined this before the foundation of the world right. that he was gonna have to send his son. And yet he had covenant with the Jews right. that the Jews could not fulfill. Mm-hmm. And he saw that there was no way that humans were gonna be able to fulfill the covenants. He says, I want these people in my family so bad yeah. that I will make a way. Right. And yet he already had it planned ahead of time. Right. So so it wasn't a reaction to their failure. It was pro- the process to which he was like, this is, well, this will be better if we get to it this way. Yeah. You know? It is back to the free will thing. And it's like, he wants to, he wants to woo people to actually love him out of their own choice, not out of some kind of duty mm-hmm. for because I'm supposed to, but it's a risk. Yeah. I mean, the, the risk that God took in giving us freedom is big. Yeah. That shows how much he values freedom. Yeah. Because love, I think love can only come out of freedom. You can't command somebody to love you. Yeah. Right. That's, that's mm-hmm. the nature of love. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It's always something that has to be wooed and then chosen. Mm-hmm. How does that? It's I mean, think whole. of the ways that that sets God apart from all the other religions and faiths in the oh, world yeah. you know like those those two things are just always that always is just like how do you not see how different my god is mm-hmm. like how do you not see how different it is that everything is out of love and that he's like you can choose me like you can choose this and it's just it's so beautiful it is beautiful and it's so different like yeah yeah and it's driving and makes me think about how when um, I've been reading through the Psalms and just how often 
David repeats the name of God, which is actually just the character of God, where he repeats, he's like, mm-hmm. Yahweh, you are a God who is gracious and compassionate. You are slow to anger. You're abounding in love and faithfulness. You're maintaining mm-hmm. love to a thousand generations. Like he continues to repeat that and he kind of does it. Like I just have been underlining it every time I run into it. And I'm like, oh my gosh. It's like, All you know, time. every Psalm or two, he's, he's again going like, this is who you are mm-hmm. and you are trustworthy and you are gracious and compassionate. And this is how this works. Mm-hmm. And this is how you, you know, this is how you operate in the world. This is your name, Yahweh, but this is your character. Yeah. And I'm like, the, but I'm, I'm distracted how often he repeats it, you know, and I, I wonder if it's also in David's his journey of trust and going, God, I'm going to trust you because this is who you are in yeah. the midst of this story and then this story and as trying to be king over this nation and blah, 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 all the things where he's like, I need to remember who you are. And so is that one of his kind of practices that as yeah. he would pen his prayers that he would go, this is this, I'm going to remember the name and the character of my God. That makes sense. Yeah. Because it helps you to trust. Yeah. And you remember, you know, his graciousness, his faithfulness, his absolutely. Mm-hmm. I really struggled with, not struggled, I, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out, like, why did God do this? God didn't have to tell us in advance no. what he did, right? Mm-hmm. So then the, the question of why did he do it? Why does he spend, you know, why did it take him so long to unravel his story? I have no idea. Yeah. Why did he do it the way that he did it? I have no idea. I have no perspective on that. But we can because, see the result of it, yeah. of how it benefited us to yeah. be able to look back. Yeah. But he also was, it kind of like as you spoke, it, it helped you to believe in God. And it was sort of giving additional credibility and proof to his story. He says, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. And then when it happens, you go, hmm, yeah. That's exactly, that, that, that's well put, Otto. That's a, that's exactly how I experienced prophecy in my own story is because I started to go like, I don't know about this whole God thing, like scripture. I don't know what. So, you know, I had to, I had to have, I had all these intellectual questions, barriers, doubts, and prophecy really was a game changer for me. Cause I'm like, cause I, you know, there's, there's just dozens of these prophecies about the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And they're they're crazy. Like they're just the craziest thing. <laughs> well, right? If, if you take them in context of when they were spoken, yeah, it, it's like what? Are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, how do you get how do you get a, a child to be born in Bethlehem but grow up in Nazareth and come out of Egypt, which all three and, and then you just watch. Oh, God! Yeah, just, yeah, he just, he did, just it. did all that. <laughs> yeah. Like he, they're living in Nazareth, and like how does he get born in? Well, he uses a government guy. He uses a government guy who's freaking out, and he called a census. And so Joseph, who's a descendant of David, has to travel 90 miles on foot and donkey. I mean, we all know the Christmas story, right? Mm-hmm. 90 miles on foot and donkey with a eight-and-a-half-month pregnant wife. Nobody wants to do that. No. But like that's how he gets the prophecy fulfilled, mm-hmm. by a government dude calling a ridiculous census. Yeah, mm-hmm. which seems outrageous. Like, who's gonna make it? An eight and a half year, eight half month old woman travel by donkey a hundred miles, mm-hmm. and we wonder why she went into labor. Right? Yeah, right. Like, well, <laughs> right? there was a yeah, lot of things coming together. So, for that. Yeah. <laughs> as I looked through all those prophecies and I watched how the outrageous way that God keeps fulfilling them all, I just was astounded. I was like, I was like, I, I'm in absolute awe, mm-hmm. and then I became convinced. Right, like. You start, you cross this barrier where you're like, oh, I don't know. Okay, one more. Oh, I don't know. Uh, 
And then they pile up and pile up and pile up. And eventually you're like, oh, my God, this mm-hmm. is actually. He well, actually and, exists. And Trice knew what those prophecies were. Oh. I mean, he even spoke it as he was going to the cross. Oh. I cannot I cannot avoid this. It is it's the it's the reason I'm here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, there was this is I think this is an interesting verse. This is Amos 3:7 and it says surely the Lord God does nothing without revealing his plans to his servants the prophets. Mm-hmm. I just always thought that was interesting. I'm like, does God have like a policy that he's like everything <laughs> we need to I let do, people know? Like, I well, just like I'm going to tell my people because is that the nature of him as being king? Is he's like, I'm going to let you in on this with me. I'm not going to sit on my throne and go like you aren't a part of my story. Like, how privileged would you feel as if the king was like, hey, I'm about to go do this, but I want to tell you and just let you in on the secret? Is it? But does it reflect like how he's made us to be in community? How like mm-hmm. our faith doesn't doesn't thrive unless we are together and for him as a ruler he's like yeah that's why i find this so valuable that's why i made you the way i did that's why i created you know Mm -hmm. us to be this way because i also this is me reflected in you Mm -hmm. like that is part of who i am and that's why you need to be in community as well so do i yeah i think it's more about his character and his need his want of community and connection and us to be with him in it as opposed to he's like well i made this policy so i guess like which prophet should i tell right you know who's listening but it's kind of like hey i i want you in i want you in and i want you with me it's like it's not like he chooses to go out and tell because he wants to it's like he can't help but talk about the story that he's writing and he just it just overflows to the prophets Mm -hmm. well and it helps that it helps the people connect with him Mm -hmm. he's not distant i mean it mentions in scripture very specifically the times that god's been quiet like when you read you know old old testament houses like and god didn't speak for However, mm-hmm. period of time, and I always thought those were weird. But it's like, oh, that means he was. It was so familiar for him to be speaking that it was noteworthy mm-hmm. to be like he didn't. He hasn't been talking to us. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I always struggle with that because I go, I think he didn't speak to. The, maybe he didn't speak through <laughs> the, the prophets, prophets. But I go, I'm pretty sure he's not silent to his whole creation for 400 right. years, right? No. So right. sometimes I get. Sometimes when we say that, it like it's like God went silent, like He's giving us a silent treatment or something. Yeah, Which but it was, was more like He didn't have movements amongst the people, right. or was He speaking and there weren't people who were listening? listening. Or that's another option. Or worthy of being spoken to. I have a and those were the big shots, right? He was still talking to His people. Yeah, right through the Spirit. Right. Yeah. Hmm. You know, I, I've been reading about uh, the history of Israel from the time of David to current. And I'm struck by, you know, we talk about the king. And I don't think in today's world we have a concept of what king meant to yeah. those people. Mm-hmm. There, was, there were no nations, so to speak. There were no, they were constantly in flux. And your king helped to protect you from other kings, helped to make sure that we got crops in. He organized your community. Mm-hmm. He was more of a community leader. And then we use king for God and for Christ and the submission and you know in back in those days you had to trust your king and because he had the big plan and he's got all these people to deal with and the submission to the king the you know how you would go before the king and bow before the king and and commit yourself to him 
as a human and that that actually helps me to understand more about how we submit to our Lord as king. Um, and, and it ties into covenant, right? The covenant was huge within those communities. That's what held those communities together. And they made covenants with others and that we get to participate in that um, system and we submit our lives we submit what we're going to do, how we're going to give to that king, the cause, the one who will actually protect and provide for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's interesting to think of it in that way and think of how how much of when we understand this little piece of what God's calling us to do, how much are we even more greatly living in his plan, right? Like, how do we not even see how those things are operating but when we're just we're living out in faith and being like, okay, God, you told me to step this way or go that way. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, in 50 years from now, you step back and look at it and be like, whoa, this is what God was doing. As we look back on what they were doing to be like, oh, that's mm-hmm. how God was orchestrating. Like that whole thing came together. Mm-hmm. And even so that happens today, right? Like even mm-hmm. even in this body, in this church, in, in this country, in this world, and, and how those are playing out to think there's something so much greater happening as we walk in those little ways that we don't see right. are, are those plans that he has. As we wrap up, Paul, what's one thing that you wanted to say that you didn't? Oh, or did you get it man, all out? No, it was, <laughs> I did not get it all out. Um, I think that's, I hadn't thought about that question. Yet. I, I know, and I just threw it at you. <laughs> the one that comes to mind is there's just so many more prophecies. It's so, mm-hmm. there's just so much more. Mm-hmm. And, so I hope that people heard me the challenge of like, you know, everybody should go do it. But if you feel like your faith is a little weak, if it's wandering, if it's, if there's doubt that creeps up, like, is any of this actually true? Or is this just a bunch of crap? You know, if, if there's doubt, like, go dig into the prophecies because they really will increase your faith. When you just watch in amazement as God fulfills stuff. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know where to start, do Google search. Yep. And you'll get a whole list. Mm-hmm. So the, the messianic prophecies. So Messiah, only messianic prophecies. And you'll, so that's kind of the intellectual term for them all. And you'll get a, an avalanche of prophecies that were about the Messiah coming. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't have a great website to give people, sadly. I yeah, wish I think it's Sergil. Yeah, Sergil bring them up. But it makes me, just what you said at the end is is just a win, that how that story, how the prophecy, and then just the, the wonder of Christmas and the story that we wouldn't miss it, that we would be yeah. caught up in the awe of it yeah. and the wonder of it and be like, oh, God, you really are worthy to be praised. Um, oh, my gosh. You know, this, I think we maybe get used to this story and then we it kind of loses its punch but you're like this story is crazy and not to miss the wonder of it i'm taking the time to read those prophecies it'll bring you back to that like understanding of that be surprised let yourself be surprised all over again Mm -hmm. you know with the surprise party that god yeah put together yeah i love it michelle would you pray for us i will um god we do praise you yeah for your wonder, for how amazing you are, for the complexity of your story. And thanks for letting us in on it. Thanks for um, thanks for bothering to want to include us and tell us that we would be caught up in the wonder of what you've done. 
And God, I pray that this season that you would help us to understand more deeply the power and the wonder of your extravagant love and what you did in the story of Christmas to come for us. So help us to understand. Thanks for time to be with you, to think about you. Thanks for being in this room with us, Holy Spirit. And carry us forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. The Valley is a digital ministry of Boulder Valley Christian Church. Please visit community.bvchristian.org to learn more about us or join the community.